Welcome to the Art of Masculinity Podcast. I am your host, Johnny L. Sasser. As a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger out of 2nd Ranger Battalion and a former Protective Security Specialist who protected the U.S. Ambassador to Iraq, I spent 10 years in and out of the Middle East. My mission today is to help men everywhere find the courage to be confident in themselves and their masculinity, regardless of what society says or what preconceived notions are out there in the media. I'm here to shed a light on those tough, strong alpha males, opening up not only to those they love, but to the world about who they really are and how they own these open and vulnerable parts of themselves. Today, my goal is to help be a light for men who are struggling in owning their masculinity and struggling to present it in a way that is authentic to them. I'm grateful for having you here and sharing your time with me. Let's dive into the episode and I'll see you around the corner. Hey everyone, today's guest is Matt Vincent. He is a traveling strength athlete, two-time, yes, you heard that, two-time Highland Games world champion and founder of Hate Brand Goods. Through his travels, Matt was lucky enough to spend time with exceptional people who were chasing strength, fulfillment, and personal growth in every imaginable way. Matt is also an author, and in his first book, Training Lab, he spelled out the philosophy of the hate brand and tried to capture the spirit of self-improvement through self-loathing. This idea would serve as the spark that led to the hate brand goods and a ton of adventures afterwards. Matt chronicles his travels and conversations with people in the strength game and beyond on his podcast, UMSO. And such an amazing podcast it is. Matt is an epic human being and somebody who has been at the obviously premier top elite level of his sport in the Highland games, being a two-time world champion, we jammed out and had such a blast on here. Really good, insightful information from somebody who's had a lot of adversity in his life and had to come back from it. And to then not only come back from it, but, you know, see himself outside of the world champion in the Highland Games. So very powerful episode. If you guys don't know Matt, get to know him here and make sure you guys go and give him a follow on IG and follow his products at Hate Brand Goods. Really awesome gear over there from shirts to shorts to other things that they offer up. And it's really, really quality stuff. So I highly recommend taking a look at it, grabbing some and make sure that you guys be part of his ecosystem. So as always, guys, enjoy the episode and I will see you around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today's guest is Matt Vincent. I had the honor. Actually, I actually figured out where we met through and it was George Bryant. I was actually just hanging out with him in Montana. Okay. And so you and I were together try. in... Yeah, you and I were together in Austin. I could not remember who introed us. And I was like, fuck, I know you. We've been on a call. And then I was like, oh, shit. I was just hanging out with George in Whitefish, Montana. And he reminded me that he connected us. And I was like, that's where it came from, which makes sense because he's the master connector. Where did where did he connect us? I think he just uh, either – I think he gave me your e- – I think he did email. I think he connected okay, us so to email. It wasn't email. like we ran into each other in person at a thing. No, no, not at all. I think you okay. may have recently been on his show or something like that. Yeah, and he, yeah, yeah. he always then, throws me. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So that was really funny. And I'm glad that I figured that out because it was killing me. I was like, man, who introed us? Because I have so many people that you possibly Same. could know because of your Same. background. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. So Dude, my, anyways, my welcome to the show, my friend. Yeah, my, my one degrees of separation yeah. get ugly. I'm, I'm like a shitty Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. A shitty like Kevin, a Kevin Bacon. Bacon. That's what we'll call that episode. a lot of people, but not a ton of people want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, man. Well, it was, a, it was a blast getting to know you in Austin. And for people who don't know, obviously, we let out Matt's intro so you guys know who he is. But he's he's the Hate Brand Goods. He's owner and operator of Hate Brand Goods, um, UMSO podcast, which is fucking like 
epic podcast. Uh, great you. reviews, Thank man. You. You've had amazing guests on there. Um, he's a traveling strength athlete two times. This is the probably the coolest thing just because the fact that I don't know anybody in this field aside from you, but two times Highland game champion, which is fucking badass. Yeah. Really fucking well, well, cool. It was a fun chapter, man. And he's a in- really, really fun chapter. Well, and you're still highly connected out there, which is really cool as well. You know, we've talked about that before. Yeah, I try to. It was a, it was a really great experience in my life was getting to do all the Highland Games stuff, and so, um, yeah, I'm I'm less connected to it every year as it seems to kind of work naturally mm-hmm. that way. And uh, that was that was an interesting transition to deal with too, of just feeling that shift of identity go from that being my thing, mm-hmm. and as I got hurt, this fear that came with fuck do we do like why would anyone give a shit about any of the stuff that we've been trying to build if i can't compete like i felt like that was such the critical part of what i the story i was telling and then as it Mm. ended uh you know i stuck around with the games for a little bit to really add a complete selfishness like i wanted to announce it a couple games because i missed being around those dudes i didn't have a tribe Mm. and um those guys those guys for me man like the highland games is a really unique thing like within that community because like within powerlifting crossfit or any of that like the community is at the gym and highland games there it's just not very popular so there's not a ton of people who do it so once a week maybe people get together and train uh i never did and most of the other guys that i competed with in the professional class never did either and so Mm. all of us spent our weeks training by ourselves in a garage typically and then throwing in a field by ourselves and so on the weekends we meet up and these are the only people that know how weird your life is (laughs) And, and, and so it was this great community of these shared dudes that we all had this similar life experience and desire to do this silly ass thing Meanwhile, we never talk about that silly thing. We already know that we have that in common. Mm. If that that makes any sense, like we already all know that we're crazy, so that's nice. Yeah, it makes it, it makes a ton of sense, and it's a small community, and that and that connection with those like minded people who can understand the trials and tribulations and to understand the lifestyle. When you have a community like that, it builds that ability to to create a almost like a almost like a safety in that community because outside of that, you you don't have anybody that really understands the lifestyle. You don't have anybody that understands like where your mental space is at, at that point. Right. So there's that complication of it, but that makes a ton of sense, brother. And we're, I want to dive into that a lot more in this episode. So real quick, your last thing is you're also an author, which people, people be like this big ass dude. Uh, you have two books out, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's currently uh it's three so two and a half i don't know what you would call it so the first book i wrote was called um training lab and it was written for how i program for competing in the highland games in a full year there were some holes in other programming that i didn't see that really addressed highland games in the specific way because highland games is a bit more like track and field where like i know my season right and so like i'm going to compete 20 plus times throughout the year but i really need to be good like three of those days and so Mm -hmm. building a program that allows peaking and trying to understand the mentality of like hey these next five games we're not trying to set ourselves up to throw a pr if it happens great Mm. but we're still lifting heavy and going to be tired going into this competition i can't peak for 20 weekends i need to be Mm. really good at the world championships not four weeks before it at another contest, if, yeah. if that makes sense. So it provides kind of a unique challenge to uh, to competition uh, and, and strategizing how you program for it. So I put all that into training lab and then throwing lab I wrote uh, following up to kind of break down all of the individual events with as many photos as I could produce at the time to talk about step-by-step how to throw. Um, mm. And then I followed up with strength lab, which was a general strength version of the Highland Games program. So kind of the methodology I like to train with of heavy, explosive, multi-joint, big movements. 
um, the stuff that I used as an athlete, the stuff that I really liked that helped performance, not necessarily aesthetics based. Mm, okay. Yeah. So the, and I want to, the, next, oh, the next book I have works on is, is more of the story of getting hurt and, and figuring me out. Oh, that's perfect. Since you're already writing it, we'll be able to dive into here. It'll be fresh on the mind. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, the, the first thing I want to hit for us, um, is I put everybody through the manly round. So the community gets to know you a little bit, uh, on a different level than what normal, I guess is you ready for it, brother? Yeah. Let it rip. All right. What's your spirit animal and why? Alligator. Uh, why? I don't know. They're, they're neat. Um, I like alligators. Uh, I've got two tattooed on me and I guess part of, I really like the uniqueness of growing up in Louisiana and I got to do a bunch of swamp people shit growing up with hunting alligators. Um, mm. I know they're a cool, unique, they're a cool, unique animal. That's to Louisiana. I like them. Yeah, dude. That that's, I love that, that you picked that. Nobody's ever fits. picked that on the. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Short ass arms, yeah. No, evolution can't kill them. They're incredible, terribly stupid creatures. Yeah, dude, they're prehistoric though. They're optimized for They've evolution. They're the optimal predator. <laughs> they never get. I don't know if they're optimal predator. They they breed quickly and they're pretty indestructible. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean, though. I mean, they become like, you know, it's they they've they've transcended uh, since the freaking dinosaurs, basically. And so at this point, yeah, you got to kind of give them credit where credit's due. I love that you picked that one. The uh, the other question I have for you being in Louisiana, did you ever go noodling? Isn't that a thing I down have, there? I have done that. I didn't do it in Louisiana. I did it in Oklahoma. Um, I did that once. Uh yeah the experience was holy shit that's a thing to do i don't need to do that ever again the the level <laughs> of my brain saying why are we shoving our fucking arm into a dark hole underwater on the side of a bank it goes against every and with my plan is that this creature latches on to me <laughs> there's just a big chunk of me it's like i'm fucking smarter than this <laughs> like I like chasing into uncomfortable situations, but I'm like, come on, man. Like there has to be a bunch of people throughout history. The reason that my instinct says this is dumb is because there were a bunch of people through history that saw someone do this and they just never came back out of the water. <laughs> oh my God, man. This like, is, it's I'm good. It, it's just, it fascinates me and also confuses me. Cause I'm like, the, the chances I like, is there, I mean, there's a chance you get in there and it's a snapping turtle. Yeah. Again, risk to reward. It's not enough for me. Best case scenario is a giant catfish hooks onto my arm. Sick. Like, what <laughs> do I call about that? <laughs> there's nothing oh, dude, in that hole can... I'm interested in finding. There's no best case scenario of what's in there that I'm like, worth it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh, dude, it's so funny, man. I, I watched so much Nat Geo overseas. And um, that was one of the things I would see on there. And I'm like, fuck, man, that's just, I can't imagine any place in time where I'm like, that reward is worth, like, especially when that thing latches onto your arm, that's no gotta be way, fucking weird dude. anyways. No way is that reward worth it. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's fucking nuts, dude. Oh, man. All right, we'll move on. Um, what song, whenever you hear it, do you absolutely, no matter where you are, just have to start singing along with singing along with. Yeah. Yeah. Singing along with, you know, there's probably, there's probably a lot, but one of them right now that's been hammering a lot is, uh, I've been listening to Kid Cudi's Reborn and pursuit of happiness a lot lately and those those typically get me right involved when they come mm. on um mm. the other song that i absolutely will sing along with is juicy j's uh bands that make her dance bands like that make three her six dance, mafia huh? and bands that make her dance it's uh incredible lyrics for those who aren't aware 
Um, Juicy J is quite a poet. I don't know if anyone else believes that. I do. The juiciest <laughs> of J's from the Three Six Mafia. I know Three Six Mafia, but I'm unfamiliar with that song. But dude, that's awesome, man. Let me let me let me give you some quality lyrics, my friend. Let's do it, bro. Share it. It's it's always incredible. Always fun I've, I've to just hit. fallen in love with the absolute bonkersness of rap music. Uh, <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. Quality lines like this. I got drugs. I got drinks. Bend it over. Juicy J gonna poke it like wet paint. You say no to ratchet pussy. Juicy J can't. <laughs> what else could I possibly need uh, from lyrics? What a poet. <laughs> what a poet. a poet. I love it. Oh, that's so good. All right, bro. Your next one. If you were a DJ, what would your DJ name be? I have been a DJ. Uh, I didn't have oh, a shit. DJ name while I DJed. It was just Matt. It wasn't DJ <laughs> anything like that. But I, I DJed at a strip club for a number of years. Um, I don't know what my DJ name would be. Damn it. I'll come back to that. I'm, I'll put one together yeah, as we we'll wrap circle up back around. Through. All right. Yeah, we'll circle back around. I love that, though. It's so funny. More often, I'm not even kidding you. It's really weird. More often, I found out that people have actually been DJs in their lives when I asked that question. I'm like, what the fuck? How many people have been DJs? It's really funny. Man, I have I have tried to have jobs, and it seems that jobs that other people don't want are typically available. Uh, also, yeah. most people don't want to DJ at a strip club. Big shock. Yeah. But yeah. as you work at a strip but, club bounce, you work your way up the ladder. You too could become a strip club DJ. <laughs> you too. Okay, it's within you your too. Ass. If you really no, strive and concentrate, like <laughs> you, know, you get to manage stuff. Like, like up now, we got Apple's going to be on the main stage, and on two, we got Cinnamon coming up with a little bit less on. Put your hands together, and make your way over the stage, and tip these ladies. They're working hard for you Sunday night. <laughs> I love it. Sad little insight to, to old sad Matt. skill to have. <laughs> oh, skill to so have. good. So good. It's still public speaking. All right. Still repetition. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's public speaking. You got to get it where you can, man. I think you can put that in your reel for when you're putting in to be a keynote speaker, right? <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Other accomplishments. Yeah. Well, They'll love it. All right, brother. What is something that no matter who does it on this planet, the coolest person in the world, no matter what is an action that no matter who does it, they would still look absolutely ridiculous doing it. Um, Trying to put on sweatpants with slightly damp legs. Oh, dude. Come at me. <laughs> That's the worst. No one looks cool doing that. It's so slightly embarrassing. Slightly damp legs like you and you're stuck and you're just fucking pulling on them, dancing around like an idiot with one leg up. Chances yep, your are your balls gets are stuck out. In like, it. It's not a good look. <laughs> Dude, me and Bonnie have laughed about this so much of just like, I just want to have a race where we have a bunch of our friends and it's like, all right, your race today is uh, putting on leggings and first I'm going to spray your legs with water. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> How dare you? Oh my God. That would be a challenge and a half. That's a really good one, bro. Like I, there's no way anybody looks good doing it and there's no way that ever gets on smoothly. Like not even like no, nobody. Not cool. No, it's never, oh, it's never good. Wow. That's a good one. All right. Your last question is if you could pull a prank on any well-known person dead or alive, who would the prank be on? Pull a prank on a dead person. Well, so if they, you know, if they time? were, 
You can. It, you could like you could be alive back then, but it's somebody that we all know. Like if you could pull a prank on someone, who would it be? I had one where someone wanted to pull a prank on Jesus. I was like, that's actually kind of yeah. funny, but <laughs> um, if we're pulling pranks and we're living in a fantasy world where I get to go back in time, yeah. I'm wondering at like what level. I also now have to believe that I have some supernatural ability to time travel and perhaps not be discovered in this prank. Oh, 100%. They would never know it's you. So this is my fantasy. This is what I'm doing. Uh, it's going to be yeah. a long-term game. I'm going to prank Hitler. And I'm going to slowly <laughs> gaslight him by changing the laces on his shoes every night because I want him to believe he's crazy. It's a slowly slowly infiltrate this system, maybe change his shoes, move them around every day. One's just always gone. Just really create a daily <laughs> slight annoyance to make him question his reality for a couple years. I'm willing to dedicate decades to this, actually. <laughs> I love it. The slow, persistent prank. At some point, That's he's got to think, I'm going to sleep with my shoes on. For sure. For sure. Then you just take all of his uh, own. The amount of people around him you, that he would be blaming that are close of his inner circle, fantastic. Oh, my God. Yeah, you, you would have taken down the Nazis just because he probably would have killed everybody next to him because he'd suspected of them messing with his shoes. Little did he know, some shoe thief from the future used to be a decent rock thrower. Never suspected. Yeah, and a, <laughs> and a stripper DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a strip club DJ. Oh, Stripper dude, DJ that's sounds so like there's good. a hyphen. Yeah, it does. I've it also, to, almost sounds I've like you're stripping while DJing. Money. That's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, tough. that is tough. tough, man. Those those people uh, definitely earn that money, and that's a that's a tough gig, man. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, you did really well. I'm happy about the. I'm Perfect. happy about those answers. I think I think you hit a home run on those. So. I want to dive back into where we kind of started because this is really interesting to me. How did you even, like you alluded to the fact that the Highland Games, it's a very, very minority group. Like how did you mm. even get into the Highland Games? Like what was, what was that entrance even like? So, yeah, I threw in college, right? So I was a track and field scholarship at uh, LSU. I shot, put discus and hammer there on a very average scale. And then um, after getting out, so as a thrower in college, you tend to kind of know the Highland Games exist. A lot of that kind of predates mm. all the Olympic throws. And so if you dig in a little bit, you realize like, oh, this is how they were doing it first with throwing rocks, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then kind of how anything else works, like you find a strongman show, you find a powerlifting event, you find any of these type of things. And uh, I found a uh, Highland Games to go do. Um, there was a local guy in Baton Rouge to me that had some implements, uh, Mark Cummings, and my brother had started doing some strongman. I had been training strongman for a little bit as well, and we uh, decided to go do this Highland Games. Very excited about it since throwing was already in the in the background. Uh, went out and did pretty well at it and won the uh, novice class, which is just people who've never done it before. Uh, and then mm. quickly started finding more of them to go compete in. And um mm. That was 2008 in November, and I won my first amateur world championship at the end of 2010. Uh, 2012 was my first uh, world championship. Gotcha. Wow, man. That's amazing. That, that's like a – was it that you were able to catch on and be so good so fast, or was it a combination of that and then like limited competition? Because I can imagine the guys that are on top stay on top, right? Yeah, the guys that are on top definitely uh, hold that spot down within the pro class for a number of years. Um, I think it was a it, it just worked really well for me. I was a very average thrower over three events in college. I wasn't uh, really a specialist at any one of them. And so with the Highland Games being nine events that you compete in from stone throwing to weight throwing to some height events in the caber, uh, I was really good at being pretty good at all of them. So mm. I was always able to be in the top three in every event. And okay. that's what really kind of helps you win the day. Uh, and then I had the ability to build up my garage and train. I had an ability to really put in as much effort as I wanted into the sport. And because I already mm -hmm. have a 
college, high school, middle school throwing background, I I understand how the mechanics of all of the events work. So like the mm. learning curve is very quick. And so now I'm really, really working on trying to train correctly for it. And so it, it, it lent itself mm. very well for me to get better at it quickly. And I'd already gotten back into strength sports. And so I had such a different strength background coming into the Highland Games with mm-hmm. a couple years of strongman and powerlifting that it I was the strongest I'd ever been. And then I got back into throwing. Mm. That's amazing, so it man. Just, it just um, all worked well and- together. And where did you mostly compete? Was this this was like all overseas, right? This isn't in the U.S. Oh no, no, no. So um, most of the most of the competitions are in the U.S. I would I would really only go oh, overseas okay. like once or twice a year. Um, so they're typically held Ren fairs, uh, those Scottish festivals, or any of those type of things. So we're part of typically entertainment at these big festivals. And so oh, we're okay. hired by the games to, to be there. Uh, so it's not as much like strongman competition this weekend and everything's built around that. We're definitely part of a festival. And so it's kind of a weird mm. sport. There's no federation really. And it's, it's run a bit loose on sure. invites and how it all goes from there. Oh, that's so there's very some interesting. Bit of politics to it. Cause if you don't get an invite, you don't get so- to go compete. Oh shit! You can't just show up and be like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna play." Nope. But you can in Scotland. Oh shit! So different, oh, slightly different sports between the two places. Yeah, it's like I said, it's an odd fairy tale, almost weird sport. <laughs> the rules. Did you ever loose. go compete? Did you compete in Scotland as well? Yeah, yeah. My first world championship I won was in Scotland um, at uh, Dunfermline is where I won it. And then the second world championship, I won. Oh, sorry, the first one I won was in Canada. The second one I won was in Scotland. So during the summer of 2014, 15 and 16, I went over to Scotland every year and competed. So 16 was the year that I got to do like all of games week, which is the best. And it's, mm. I'll get to compete something like 11 times in 16 days. Oh, wow. And so you just go over and every day, let them have it. Yeah, that's cool. Well, what? So what was it like to be at that pinnacle of being the world champion in this sport? What was the mentality after you won that? Like, did you really appreciate and be grateful for what you had put together and what you had done? Or was it literally you won it and then you're just thinking about next year competing again? Uh, the first one was much more of a, I want it. And then on to the next, like winning Mm. it essentially didn't do anything, but prove the plan worked, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I was very, very excited about it. Right. Like, cause it did prove the last 24 months of training plan were right. It proved the effort was there. And not only that the effort was there, I mean, look, there's, it's not like I, walked away with it. I won by like a half point. And so yeah. there's just some times at that in that game where I was really excited wasn't that I had won a world championship, but but I was really excited that in two specific times during that competition, I I performed at my best when it mattered. Like mm-hmm. last throw of that event. If I don't hit that throw, I do not win the day last throw of that event if i don't get it done right there i do not win that world championship and like i know mm. that going into the throw wow. being able to manage that is something i'm more excited about than the, the trophy piece of it um the second one yeah. i won in scotland so that year uh 2014 um so this is like august or something like that of 2014 my father had passed away in april um mm. And so that year was a, was a strange year, but you know, one of the ways I manage dealing with anything is don't let the stuff that you can control get out of control. Right. And Mm. so I've got some shit to deal with as far as grieving and sorting some things out of losing my dad and, uh, that, but I can't also 
fail on this other thing that's working really well for me and gives me time to think and gives me time to kind of be confident and happy and, and be able to look at stuff. And so stayed, stayed with my competing, stayed with the plan, wrote it out and got through the year and got, got to worlds and won. Um, that was a tough world championship as well. I think it really came down to the last event. Um, you know, I think there was a half point again between me and my, uh, maiden competition, Dan McKim that day. And I was able to get it done in the last event. And, um, after that one, I really, I really had much more of an appreciation for, for it. And the longer I've had time to kind of contemplate on it, I am really proud of not necessarily that I won a world championship. It's great fun. But for me personally, like how I feel on it is that I'm certain that at two times within my existence, I showed up to compete at my thing. And there isn't another human on the planet that could beat me. Mm. That part I really like. That part I really like that I spent enough time mastering a single thing that I know at at least two moments, no one's better than me. Mm. And that's a cool thing. That's powerful, brother. It's very, I, yeah. I, I likely that... will not get to be best in the world at a second thing. Most people don't find <laughs> one. Yeah, most people never find one, especially at your level. That's amazing. Did and, you, when you got out of this, did you have that retro? So I know there was, and I want to jump into this too, because I think in military and professional sports, um, that you guys as professional athletes, there's a huge issue with that transition. But when you transitioned out, did you struggle like retrospectively looking at your your championships in this light that you now talk about them did you struggle to have that like clarity and what that really meant to you and it, was that part of the struggle in the transition um so my transition out was was bumpy because it ended up being due to uh surgery um never really had a major injury during the 2016 season i tore a meniscus in may so got it fixed, missed, I don't know, six weeks or something like that. Got back to competing and finished out that year. And so the plan really of finishing that season was <clears throat> get my knee fixed, take a year off to fully rehab and reset and, and, and sort some things out physically that need to be taken care of and addressed. And then get back to competing mm -hmm. in 2018 and really give it hell for as many years as we got left. Um, mm. And so at the end of 2016 – uh, I think January or so was my first ACL surgery to go in and fix just an ACL that had been torn for a decade. Uh, the knee was just worn out. It's not terribly hurting at that point. It just doesn't work well. Um, yeah. Go in to fix an ACL and it just doesn't work well. My body consumes cadaver tissue apparently. Um, no new friends is what the rest of the parts of my knee said. Uh, hit the bricks. Oh, we weren't wow. here for it. We're going to not have you part of it. And um, Trying to fix that and get out of chronic pain ended up in eight more knee surgeries in a three-year time span, including a total knee replacement and uh, I got a two-year, a two and a half-year window there with chronic pain. That I mean, I I basically spent most of it on crutches. I traveled with a cane for two years and I couldn't really walk up wow. or down stairs or walk more than about two hundred yards a day. So that transition was a lot harder to not being able to compete anymore. Holy um, shit, so the, man! The uh, the rug got pulled out of my importance I put on being a Highland Games world champion pretty quick. Um, as things want to test us, right? Like, I I was really prepared as an athlete because I, like track and field in college ended for me. Like, I know things end. High school football fucking ended. Like, those are chapters. Yeah. They're supposed to end. They're not supposed to be forever, and nor was this Highland Games thing. People get weird on it because you start it in your 20s, and there's not a point where it's supposed to end the way, like, high school does. Get out of here. Mm -hmm. Or college. Leave. Your time here's done. And so people lock into this identity and want to be this thing and ride it out forever. I knew going into it that, oh, this is this is limited. Like, this isn't a long-term mm -hmm. plan that I'm on. And, you know, and I'd said it a lot that 
you know, this is a thing I do and not who I am. Um, you know, my, my PRs are never going to make it on my tombstone. And so what I didn't plan on was the identity I have built into being an athlete being taken from me. And that got a lot mm. darker for me to deal with. Um, not being able to operate the machine that I had grown really custom accustomed to running for the last 30 plus years of my life. Um, that was much more of a struggle and I didn't realize how much of my confidence, my ability to manage stress, my self-worth and self-value came from the things that this machine has let me do. Mm-hmm. And so that took a lot more digging in to figure out the transition of who the fuck am I, if I can't do any of these things. Mm. And what was like, so what was the something that you started as you did that recovery and you started to gain function again of your body? Cause the priority at that point is just to be able to function like a young, a young adult male, right? Again, to, because you're not old. The, the, so the it's priority like to be able for to me function. is just being able to not be in pain. Right. Like at that right. point, my priority so when, has shifted to pain management. Yeah. So when you were coming out of that and you started to figure out that management of pain and started to figure out getting into that functioning again, you know, potentially without the cane and without the crutches and all that stuff, when you started to move in the trajectory of that positive uh, building of your body back, what was it that kind of helped excel you out of that? As far as like, what did you grab onto that then started to give you validation again in who you were or what you were doing in this world? Um, you know, really that didn't come until I was able to get out of pain. I, I spent a long time in that window doing everything I could to figure out how to manage it other than opiates. And I mean, that really mm. led me into everything from trying to do the stuff that I can control of managing my nutrition with, uh, I did eight months of carnivore diet. I've followed keto for a long time. Um, that helped a ton. It it helped quite a bit, you know, that got 60 pounds off of me, um, which has stayed off. Uh, the diet has gone back and forth a little bit at the end of the day, it's still calories in versus calories out. There's no magic to any of the other things. Um, but they did help reduce a lot of inflammation. And that was, I, I just, if there was anything that could buy me a percentage point of pain relief, and I'm not doing it, then I don't really give a shit about fixing it. Mm. And so uh, I'm not going to lie to me. Like if I'm not willing to do Mm. the things that I don't need help with, then I don't really fucking want to do it. And so Mm. that's how I really leaned into it. And so I knew losing weight would help. I knew also I'm not going to be competing anymore. And like, that's a realization that comes through that window of like, Oh, this isn't get back to competing ever again. This is try to get back to out of pain. And those are very different goals. Um, Mm. So, I mean, that I started doing cold exposure work. It introduced me to that. It started introducing me to breath work and introduced me to uh, started using cannabis on a really regular basis to manage pain as well as just, overall anxiety, headspace, those type of things, um, which led me into psychedelics and mushrooms and everything else to start doing more self-discovery work. Um, so at the end of the day, it's been a real gift. It, it led me into a place, uh, into a room inside that I don't know that I would have gone into yet, but mm. here we are. And, uh, I like who I am on the outside of it. You know, I'm really stoked that I ever got to do this thing back then, but it's a different chapter. I feel like a different person and it's great. I'm not in competition with that previous chapter of my life. It's a thing I did. Mm, what, what can you give to guys out there who get stuck in those old seasons of life and they're still trying to live kind of that past version of themselves? What, what's something that you can pass on to them, a piece of wisdom that you want to share with them that they can say, Oh fuck, I never thought of it that way. Look, I think growth and change and those type of things and adaptation are one of the things that keep us excited and going, uh, the pursuit mm-hmm. that keep us, you know, engaged and, and present really. 
And so once I'm comfortable or whatever the thing is I've identified as, as this is who I am, these are the things I do, this is the job I have, and I'm in that routine, what I, what I notice is people switch off because our brains are incredible and it'll fill in most of the bullshit information. And if I'm going to the same place every day and I'm talking to the same people and I'm dealing with the exact same stuff, or I'm living a life where, fuck, I don't want to go to this place. And then you drag your ass to this place and hang out there all day and stare at a screen. And then you get off of work and all you do is sit and wait until you have to go back to a place you don't want to be. Mm. Like you're shutting off as many things as you can. There's no challenge. There's no adaptation to be created. Your fucking brain is so bored. You're so bored. And so for me, staying in that pursuit of wanting to get better and having something there, no different than what I learned from all the years of training and everything else is that like making, making muscles is super easy. Losing weight is super easy. I've created a stress and my body will fucking adapt to it. And I want mm -hmm. that to happen long term, not mm -hmm. how much stress can I create today and see how shit I feel tomorrow. I want long-term mm -hmm. exposure to discomfort that my body will adapt to in the in the direction I want it to. That's more control over this thing. And in yeah. the same way that if I want my legs to grow, I will do more volume of legs throughout the week over the long term, not one day of legs to try to make my legs big. I need a decade of it. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I want to treat my emotional growth in my head the same way. And so I want to be pushing and moving toward things that are challenging for me, things that fucking scare me, things that make me uncomfortable. And whether that's listening to new information, trying to find stuff that challenges whatever my belief system is, or digging deeper into other stuff of why I feel this way, or what can I do to want to be better, um, that feels like it keeps this growing. And because mm -hmm. we live in such a comfortable environment of climate, climate controlled areas and lighting and all these other type of things, I think it's important that you choose, which is such an exceptional thing that we live in a time in history where I get to choose the stress I'd like to adapt to. Mm. It's never happened before. Really short yeah. time that we've been able to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I've only ever been hungry because I wanted to be. Right. And it's a really fortunate thing to have. Mm -hmm. But I also would like to stay a little hungry. I seem to operate better there. It's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes us better. I think, I think that choosing that discomfort and that stress helps you get happier. You build more confidence in yourself that, you know, you walk toward hard things. And you can start that mm. by doing them easier, man, by spending 10 minutes in a hot sauna or choosing to do cold tub work or choosing to do breath work or hell for most people sit still for 10 minutes. Don't look at your yeah. phone and just breathe. Sit still for 10 minutes. Most people don't have the ability to do that to benefit themselves. You know, I can't ask mm. that person to get on a treadmill every day. No, that's a, Really powerful, brother. And that like shed so much light, I think, for people. And as we as we kind of gain that clarity into the way that we can challenge ourselves to expand and to adapt and to evolve, that's where we actually find balance in, in actually living life instead of living in death, right? Because living in the past, regardless of what you've accomplished and what you've done, if you live in the past, you're living in death. That's, that's not the present and nor is it your future, you know? And I... Similar to you, I had to come to some realizations when I left uh, special operations that were, were kind of the same thing to figure out how to offload that mentality of I'm, that's not who I am anymore and I'm not going to be that again. Like that was a time and place in my life. So now it's time to move forward into something else. But I love that you brought that well, forward. And how do and we so, take the important tools from that and go to the next thing? Yeah, absolutely. Like what can we leverage from that experience, right? Yeah. And That's so exactly, yeah. moving, moving into your, where you are today, you've created hate brand goods and that's got a plethora of different things that, um, are under it, the suite of that stuff. So how have you leveraged what you did back then at such an elite level 
to how you're showing up in the world today and giving, you know, this brand and talk about the brand a little bit too, because I love the message behind it. I, I, I love how you talk about it. Um, but let people know like what that really means. Cause at face value, they just hear hate brands and they're like, Oh shit. Sure. Another and knuckle dragger, stupid, right? So yeah. And, and it's spelt <laughs> dumb. So, so I have that going for me too, that most people don't know how it's spelled. I've, I've done, I have some brilliance with marketing. I have others that are just terribly, terribly, everything should suggest I did a different thing. Here we are. So hate for me was always about this. Like I want to dig into my weaknesses and whatever the things that are anchors holding me back. I want to be able to identify them. And so, I mean, the basis of hate is this elimination of your own bullshit and excuses through movement, motivation, and mindset. Like those are the big three mm. key factors that I want to help people find that want to drive them forward. I'm not interested in you finding motivation through some song or needing an external source for it. Yeah, I'm motivated because there are parts of me holding me back. I want to get rid of them. I want them to get better. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I don't address and hate those parts of me, they're just going to sit there. Mm. So I'm willing to do that work to make me the best version of me that I am. And I don't know how I can help everyone else around me more so than doing that. Um, mm. So that's, that's where the mentality of it is. Uh, and, and the, you know, the brand and everything else is respectful of that meaning and, and continuing to kind of provide a totem, if you will, of, of representing people that fucking get it. People that want that accountability of themselves that they can be their best. So that, that's mm. where it's always lent to. It's a, a bit of, yeah, man, it, it, in a time where we're very pro-self-love, but that's exactly what this is. But I'm not accepting my bullshit. I want to find it, and I want to fucking gut it out by the roots. Mm. Mm. And so that's I'm willing powerful. to do that. I'm willing to get uncomfortable to find it. Yo, those parts of me that hold me back to keep me from being the person I want to be, I fucking hate them. I feel mm -hmm. that way. Um. So that, that's where the brand, you know, the messaging behind the brand is uh, and, and leveraging what I did to build it. Uh, I mean, we didn't sell our first shirt right until October of 2014, and I was done competing by 2016. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for anyone out there wanting to start a brand, no doubt that I had already been able to kind of start building a following by the time I was selling shirts in 2014, but I had been, I had written three books and I had two and a half years of bi-weekly blog posts on a website by that point, talking about my training and talking about ideas and talking about things I was trying to learn about competing and traveling and doing all these type of things. That never stopped after I finished competing. So I really look at it like the, the world championship thing for sure is a key portion of what I was able to leverage to build the brand. But all that is, that's a thing that allows you to catch someone's eye and get in the room, right? Like there's a lot of fun doors and people I've got to talk to simply because I did that. But being yeah. someone that any of those people are interested in talking to a second time has zero to do with that. Mm -hmm. And that was more important to me was being able to have something else to say, to have some other substance that that thing again was simply a thing I did. And yeah. fuck man, if nothing else, the goal going forward is that's not even going to be the coolest thing I did. Right. I want to address more people and I want to be able to change and show that story and show whatever this journey and path that I've been on that, through the adversity of it and through deciding to lean into those challenges and continue to fix me has provided me more happiness and drive and confidence and less anxiety and more push and more belief in me that I can fucking do anything. Mm -hmm. And I know part of that is I'm surrounded by other fucking amazing humans who prove to me on a regular basis that anything's possible. And I know that one's a real challenge because not everyone has that. Not everyone has people around them. Um, 
And that, that's a really tough one. I know that I've been very, very lucky with mentorship and, and friends that I got to, that I got to be witness of and close to, to see that like, Oh, there's no rules to life. There's no rules to any of this. You don't have to follow a certain plan. You can get better on whatever the terms it is you want to get better and find your people. However, yeah, they're never going to find you. Mm. Well, I think uh, there's an important piece here that I don't want people to miss. And I know you say you're lucky, but you, you also put yourself in rooms or in circles with people because you are intentional about that. I watched you in Austin do that. And if, and again, that's uncomfortable though. Like, just like what you were talking about, that's making yourself uncomfortable. It's putting, making an intention to put yourself in a room with people who challenge you or show you that there's no excuse you can make that you can achieve what you want to achieve so long as you just believe in it. And so I watched you do that, which is a cool thing to have seen you do and then hear you speak about it. And then the other piece to this that a lot of people may not know is, you actually dove in to some training a couple weeks ago at the empowered brotherhood mm -hmm. where it was deep work, bro. And you challenged yourself. And, um, of course. you know, I, as we're winding down here, I just want to see if you can share what that was like for you to just even dive into those crevices. I don't know if you've done that before, but in that type of, in that type of container, uh, this is the first like quote unquote men's retreat weekend I've ever done. Um, I, I got mm -hmm. a first chance of like one of these type of things I got to visit would have been um, fit for service uh, with, mm. with Aubrey Marcus's group. Um, they hosted one in Austin last year in May uh, where yeah. it was the divine masculine was kind of the overview of their trimester. And I was happened to be coming to Austin and hit up Ob and those guys about getting in touch and he brought up the idea that hey we're hosting this thing there's a divine masculine and we're having our warrior competition would you want to MC and host it like that's mm. all the information I was given and so I was like absolutely I don't know what any of that means but if <laughs> I immediately look at it and I'm fucking nervous to do that and the reason i'm mm. nervous man is because it fucking matters you know what i mean like i yeah. understand that that weekend is a big deal for all these people attending it one i get a chance to now attend this thing and take in as much as i can from it so i'm mm -hmm. going to group i'm going to learn i'm going if i'm in man if i have snuck in the door by you guys letting me talk on a microphone i'm going to squeeze as much of the rest of what i believe in this thing as i possibly could steal out of it yeah. <laughs> um and so doing all the group meetings and doing everything with that, and, and I've been pretty switched on to that emotional development stuff now for quite some time. Just plant medicine seems to work that way, whether or not you'd like it to go there. Um, yeah. And so I got entrusted to do that. And I really took that opportunity, despite being really anxious and nervous about it and not sure what exactly it means. Uh, but if Aubrey and Kyle and these guys that I trust believe in me as being a person who can make this weekend better for all the people in attendance i want a shot i want an opportunity Absolutely. to prove that i'm the right fucking guy for it and so did that and uh had a really really impactful moment for me of getting to do it um just just share that energy with people in a very different way because i can't compete anymore and so how mm. else can I be more beneficial in another skill that I bring to the table? And maybe that's just mm. energy. Great. Um, and so attending something like Empowered Weekend, like I knew going in, like I know this is going to be a huggy cry weekend. I, 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 I see it a mile away. I'm aware coming into it. So yeah. I'm good with that. I'm looking to do more of that. That's totally fine by me. Um, but what's the fucking point of not being all in if you're going to bother being somewhere? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't operate out of obligation in my life at all at this point. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is because I'm in full control of my life, that means anywhere I am is where I fucking chose to be. And if I chose to mm. be there, be present. Mm. If you don't want to be present, 
fucking get your shit and get the fuck out of here. Go do something mm-hmm. else that you give a shit about. And yeah. so, and occasionally when you're at things that maybe you want to be at less, remember, you're in control. You chose to be here. And so that helps me mm-hmm. be really present. And so for weekends like that, I was excited after having, you know, Steph on the podcast and, and Gerald, Gerald had mentioned about hate brand sponsoring some stuff. And so I was like, I'd love to, but I would love to come attend. Yeah. And so that's my foot in the door to come in and be part of it. Sick. And I want to be able to give and be part and, and, and make a better weekend any way I can. Um, hell man, maybe I'm another resource in there that shows people anything's possible. Mm hmm. Yeah. I love that, man. So, and you showed up yeah, big. Yeah, I, I think I you, it, man. you showed I, up a hundred percent. You showed up a hundred percent, bro. And I, I was really actually like, it was cool to watch that as somebody who I knew came in there to sponsor the event, but then also participate. That was really awesome to see you step up and do that. Cause I think it did. I think you gave a lot of guys permission. A lot of men look up to you just not only because your physical stature, but you're a genuine, authentic bro. Like you don't fucking mince words. You know what you get with Matt Vincent. So it's like people respect the shit out of that, especially men. So I think a lot of guys looked up to you and that gave them permission because you stepped into that work. It gave them permission to be more open and vulnerable, which is, is amazing, brother. So super, I, I just commend you for it because in, in my opinion, that's the real work that men need to start doing today and getting somebody like yourself, who's an elite, elite athlete, um, high level man in this world, you showed up and you showed that dudes can fricking get to the mat with themselves and actually grow from yeah. that. So appreciate that brother. Well, dude, as, Thank you, as man. we're closing I, I, again, up here, I was really honored to get to do it. Yeah. It's I'm really happy. They brought you in too. Uh, that was awesome to see you there. So, although we couldn't figure out where the fuck we <laughs> knew each other from at first, but doesn't uh, matter. Time, time's just out. a thing we've made up anyway, Johnny. Yeah, I love it. Well, dude, as we're closing up, brother, tell everybody where they can find you, um, how they can participate in anything you got going on, and how can they support and follow you? Sure, sure. So uh, our apparel is uh, Hate Brand Goods. We're at thehate.com. Uh, anyone can go check that out, check out our stuff. We have uh, probably our most popular item is our goat shorts, and there are training shorts built for everything. They're, they're simply greatest shorts of all time. Um, fight me about nice. it. Uh, <laughs> check those out. If you want a discount, use code UMSO. It'll save you 10%. I also own uh, a coffee company, Habit Coffee. Um, in 2017, I started that with a challenge of trying to make whatever my favorite roast of beans would be, and I did. And so now I sell it. And uh, we have <laughs> two roasts, and there's Habit, uh, which is the original Guatemalans, like a medium dark kind of everyday drinker. And then we have a lighter Ethiopian uh, roast. And so, uh, going, going that direction. It's been, it's been fun. So I have that, um, more recently I have started a, a mentorship group, uh, the 1612 and that's, uh, the 1612.com. And that to me is a lot of the mindset, life philosophy, and things that I'm digging into and sharing as much as I can with a group of individuals. The basis of the 1612 is that you know, my, my, my dad passing away whenever I was 31, uh, he, he passed away the day before I turned 31 at 62. And it was just a really loud ringing of halfway. That I'm halfway mm. through whatever this ride of life is. And what that translates to at that point at 31 is 1,612 weeks. And so mm. all of the things and goals and adventures and experiences that I want to have have to come in that next 1,612 weeks. It's finite. I don't Mm. have forever. Every day is a chance Mm. that if I'm not spending today, like I know that some of those goals are going to take 10 years, but if I'm not working today to do something that's hooking that dude up, I'm doing a disservice. Mm. And so I want to have other people find that fucking fire that every week matters that I don't know what you're waiting for. TikTok, Mm. man. And so that's what that group's about. Uh, we open enrollment every eight weeks. Our next open enrollment will be, um, the end of February. So I don't know when you'll be airing this, but February 28th, but for anyone who goes over to 1612.com, check out where about there's an email sign up. And if you sign up there, you'll get first notification for when the group goes live again. 
and you'll get a chance to come join us and we'll be hosting events and doing doing things as well so whether that is here in st louis or seeing how it continues to grow uh, i like being able to bring other speakers and friends of mine in to speak to the group at some of the calls and uh love to have people part of the community man i just want to be around more people who consciously give a shit Mm, I love that, brother. And for everybody listening, check that out, man. It's going to be powerful and it's going to change your life if you step into it. Honestly, just knowing Matt a little bit and being able to see the honesty in him. He doesn't give a fuck about he doesn't give a fuck about the parade. He doesn't give a fuck about the show. It's all about truly, truly finding your authentic personality and who the fuck you're showing up as and being happy with that man in the mirror. So I love that, brother. I appreciate you so much for jumping on here, man. Thank you for everybody listening. Remember to check out the show notes. You'll get all of Matt's stuff in there. You'll be able to find everything that he just mentioned where you can find him and support him and follow him. And to everybody listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. Until next time, guys. guys if you liked today's episode then please head over to apple itunes and leave a five-star review some of your most impactful moments that you heard on the show today it'll only take about 60 to 90 seconds to do but those seconds are priceless in helping promote the message here at the art of masculinity and i will be forever grateful i appreciate all of you guys joining in the art of masculinity community and as always drop the ego and stay humble